Family Summit proudly announces the Community Cares Listening Line for Black first responders and essential workers. We're here and we're listening. The Community Cares Listening Line is a free confidential service staffed with responsive volunteers who can provide emotional support and share information with our callers. If you're feeling anxious, afraid, distressed, burdened, or overwhelmed by a range of emotions, please call the Community Cares Listening Line at 877-719-1117. That's 877-719-1117. This is WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, and WBAI.org online. The time now is 5 p.m. Stay tuned for Driving Forces coming up. Welcome to Driving Forces, a weekly show about politics and policy here on WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, and streaming live everywhere at WBAI.org. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. So about two years ago, Jeff Simmons and I started this show here on WBAI, and we wanted it to be a show that let us hear from interesting people in politics, public policy, and the media, and especially you. So I spent the first part of this year doing something a little different here at WBAI. I was working on a series called New York in Crisis, WBAI's Coronavirus Diary. And that show, which you can still check out anytime at WBAI.org, focused kind of specifically on the COVID-19 pandemic and how it really affected people all over the city. I was also working on writing an ebook or co-writing an ebook called Is This Any Way to Vote? Vulnerable Voting Machines and the Mysterious Industry Behind Them. And you can check that out at whowhatwhy.org. But now looking ahead, things have changed. So I'm glad to say I'll be back here with you and Jeff on Thursdays for Driving Forces every week. And we're already thinking about uh, a lot of ideas for some great shows with wonderful guests. And it's uh, very exciting to be back. Glad to be here. So today on Driving Forces, we're going to focus on a subject that uh, I think is uh, going to be around for a while, something I've been thinking about a lot lately as a reporter myself, and that's trust in the media. Now, I wrote a long piece about this for Neiman Reports, which is part of the Neiman Foundation at Harvard. And I spoke to a lot of people who brought up some interesting and, frankly, pretty worrisome points about what's happened during the Trump era to kind of undermine people's faith in the press and what we can do to repair some of that. So coming up, we're going to chat with two really great reporters from two very different backgrounds about that. And then later on, of course, we want to hear about your thoughts about trust in the media. So take this number down. Uh, we're going to get to your calls a little bit later, but that number will be 212-209-2877. 212-209-2877. So before we get to that, uh, speaking of the importance of our free press, I just want to take a second to remind you that we here at WBAI rely on your support to keep bringing you free speech, non-commercial programming. And in these times, we need your help to stay on the air with important discussions about news and politics and culture. So please consider making a donation today by going to WBAI.org. You can also send a check to WBAI at 388 Atlantic Avenue, Brooklyn, New York, 
1217. So you can help keep listener-supported radio live by becoming a BAI buddy in the name of your favorite show. Maybe it's Driving Forces, but just go to WBAI.org or you can mail us at 388 Atlantic Avenue, Brooklyn, New York, 11217. So we're going to get into the heart of the show now, and we're talking about the challenges the media is going to face as we approach the end of four, really five years of this kind of Trump era we've been living in. And, you know, the idea of this piece that I wrote for Neiman Reports began before we even knew for sure who won the election. And the reason we were able to do a lot of that reporting beforehand was pretty simple, which is, you know, no matter who the next president was going to be, the country was still going to be divided on a lot of issues and reports we're going to face a lot of these challenges. So, you know, how do reporters sort of operate in this world where people don't even agree on basic facts or basic science and where some Americans are really buying into these dangerous extremist views? So joining us now to help unpack some of that is Michael Edison Hayden, and he's senior investigative reporter for the Southern Poverty Law Center. He wrote the a guide on open source intelligence reporting for Columbia University's Tau Center, and he's reported extensively on the connection between Trump movement figures and white nationalism. So, Michael Edison Hayden, thanks for being here on WBAI. Thanks for having me. Great to talk to you again. So I want to jump right in. So you and I spent a lot of time talking about these sort of challenges that the media is going to face. Um, you know, we talked about that for a piece I did for Neiman Reports. Um, you know, one of the things that you do, a big part of your job is covering extremism, white nationalism, and, you know, these people who sort of really reject the mainstream media and consider them, you know, quote unquote, fake news. So I just wanted to open up by asking you, is there any way to win back sort of faith in media from some of these people? Or is that just a totally lost cause? I think it's I, I think it's safe to say it's a totally lost cause with um, with, you know, what I would call, uh, you know, the extreme far right. Um, and unfortunately, what's happened uh, over the last uh, four years or actually really five years since Trump first announced his run um, is that um, that extreme far right fringe um, and their worldview has really creeped uh, closer and closer to um, the center of the Republican Party. And a lot of that has to do with Trump. And Trump spends a tremendous amount of time, um, you know, attacking the media, calling the media fraudulent. Uh, and, um, you know, because of that, I mean, you know, it's really difficult to win back those people at this moment. And there's a lot of them. Right. Uh, I'm not sure if it's true of everybody who voted for Trump. Uh, but there are a lot of people who did, uh, and it's going to take a lot of it's going to take years, I think, um, to replace to repair that trust. So sort of relatedly, then, um, do you think that once Trump himself goes away, like a lot of that uh, sort of dissipates or gets tamped down? Or do you think that do you think that he needs to be on the scene for that for that to be kind of ginned up or or is it is it something that's already out of the barn? Well, I think you and I spoke uh, before the election uh, even took place. Um, right. And uh, I mean, my maybe maybe my my frame of thinking is, you know, has changed a little bit. But the election hasn't really ever ended um, for a large number of people in this country, which is something I guess I could have predicted at that time. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, experiencing it, um, you know, in the moment is a different uh, is a different thing altogether. Um, 
it's it's hard to say, you know, I mean, because Trump, you know, uh, if like Trump goes away, what is what does go away mean? Not in the White House anymore. If a large number of people, I mean, millions of people believe that the election uh, was stolen from Trump, if they believe that they they and their movement have a right to the White House and were denied it. I don't know if it, it you know, if there are. Um, views on the media are going to change at all, um, you know, at least in the foreseeable future, which is extremely discouraging, of course. Uh, so, I mean, I don't mean to, you know, be the bearer of bad news there. That being said, um, look, uh, they the extreme far right often um, uses this free speech argument to kind of, um, you know, make their cause seem righteous. Uh, you know, I think that it is um, important for people to realize what they're up against here and to realize that it's, it's ultimately um, people with progressive values who are standing up for uh, free speech and, and the free press and to continue to um, inform the public of these anti-democratic, hard-right beliefs that they have and, you know, the fact that this is, you know, should they take power, these very, the very people who are, who are pushing um, you know, this deluge of attacks against the media. So they, there will be no media uh, to protect. You know, our voices are, um, as reporters, are contingent on us having free speech and having a free press, and they are actively trying to attack it. Um, so what to do there, um, complicated, certainly, uh, but important to constantly inform people of what's at stake here. Um, and that is uh, the right to, you know, not only the right for the for the free press if they don't like us, but also free speech broadly. You're listening to WBAI New York, 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston. We're speaking to Michael Edison Hayden of the Southern Poverty Law Center about trust in the media and sort of what the Trump era has brought. And Michael, you bring up an interesting point there, too, which is uh, something that I brought up in this piece that I wrote for Neiman Reports and that some people were uh, mentioning and kind of wondering about, which is, how much do you cover Trump once he's no longer president? You know, traditionally, uh, presidents don't sort of ride off into the sunset, but they do make a point traditionally, again, of sort of letting the new person get into the office and do their job and have the platform. Don't necessarily see Donald Trump as the kind of guy who wants to uh, fade into the background. I'm just curious as to your thoughts about how much attention do you give him once he's no longer president? Well, it's so complicated because of who Trump is, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you take these figures, um, you know, all politicians are narcissistic to some degree, right? Uh, but Trump has been, you know, his perhaps greatest skill, I mean, his greatest talent has been uh, manipulating the media to to feed his ego, to bring attention to him, right? It hasn't always been profitable. We've heard you know, all these stories about um, you know, how how much debt he may have uh, racked up over time. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he has certainly profited in, in, in attention and time, right? Time is money. He's taking our time by giving with his attention. He's very good at that. I don't know anybody who is better um, at getting people's attention. So with that in mind, um, you know, I think people have to uh, understand 
um, that uh, Trump is going to do everything possible to get people's attention, as he's always done. Uh, you know, you, you, you're um, uh, uh, tenured in the New York media world, and you know it goes back with Trump, uh, his ability to do this. And maybe perhaps instead start looking um, at um, what Trump created as a movement and start uh, reporting on the movement more uh, than the man. I mean, certainly going to be feeding off of what he says and what he does. But if you look at, for instance, this recent uh, speech that Lynn Wood gave in Georgia, where he was talking about telling people not to vote um, in the election. I mean, this is a kind of a mutation of Trumpism. And, you know, this sort of right wing populist uh, movement is not going away, going away. And maybe to make the movement the subject of more reporting and the man, uh, you know, he, the, the, the insane things he's going to say, obviously, um, you know, less important um, in our coverage. Right. And, you know, you work for, again, uh, if you're just tuning in, we're speaking to Michael Edison Hayden, a senior investigative reporter at the Southern Poverty Law Center. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say the Southern Poverty Law Center is probably not a famous bastion of conservatism. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I think that, you know, one of the things that really sort of grabbed me when we spoke was that, you know, you also made the point that just because the administration is changing or the Democrats Democratic Party is is gaining more currency with that change in administration that political reporters sort of can't become like patsies for the Democratic Party or give everybody uh, Biden on down a pass just because they're, you know, sort of relieved at, at not having this this fire hose of, of uh, lies and misleading information coming out of a Trump White House. So, um, you know, I'm just curious as to, you know, how likely do you think people are to sort of really hold a Biden administration uh, to the same strict account as a Trump administration? Well, it's going to be very difficult, um, in part because uh, Trump has reframed, uh, you know, the way we look at uh, the presidency, right? I mean, the kind of things that he did, I mean, do we... Do we report on, uh, you know, every do we do we look at Biden and and um, the things he does um, and report on them the way we would report on things that like George H. W. Bush did back in 1991? I think it's almost impossible um, to kind of you know turn back the clock, uh, but it is important, I think, for um, reporters of all kinds to uh, hold. Uh, the Biden administration accountable to report on them um, fairly, but also critically um, looking at um, where, uh, you know, where there may be corruption, where there may be, um, uh, you know, lies, double standards, things like that, um, you know, and, and do the type of reporting um, that serves people. Because if you don't do that, if you don't, if you don't serve the public with, 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 you know, real reporting on Biden, um, just because he's 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 kind of saving us from this Trump uh, debacle. If you don't do that, uh, you are really welcoming in future uh, leaders with anti-democratic uh, impulses, um, hard right politics, um, admirers of authoritarian regimes, 
Um, and these people can be, you, you never know. I mean, they can be more effective at undoing democracy than Trump has been. So I I'm, think yeah, I'm sure a lot of our listeners would wonder if that's possible, but uh, it's, a, it's no, definitely no, an interesting I, I, point. It, 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 you know, it's certainly, look, um, you know, what Trump has been trying to do, uh, you know, with the election has 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 failed. I mean, it is it is is consistently failed. He's trying to get the electors to go against the will of the people, and it's not working. Um, but a more organized uh, leader could come along and exploit the the very politics that Trump is laying the ground. And 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 don't think for a minute there aren't people who are looking at this and thinking about how they would do it differently. Um, so I think it is, you know, we are walking a very fine line right now. It's a very dangerous time. I'm not pessimistic that, you know, it's going to slide into that after four years of Biden. Um, but it is important uh, uh, for us to uh, not just um, say, OK, that the Biden it represents the good guys and the good guys are back in power and, uh, you know, and, and we're safe. We have to report critically, uh, you know, on uh, the Democrats and you know, hold them accountable for things. I mean, think about, you know, some of the horrific things that the Trump administration did, um, you know, regarding immigration, the, the, the uh, child separation policy and stuff like that. Um, absolutely, the Democrats played a role in, in creating the framework, uh, you know, for, for, for those policies. Um, obviously, Stephen Miller um, is, you know, a huge acceleration uh, you know, it's sort of anti-immigrant uh, worldview. Um, but, uh, you know, we need to continue to report on the things that happened, for instance, the border and stuff like that and do so truthfully. Um, otherwise, you know, they if, uh, you know, they people will, uh, you know, they'll say they're covering this up, they're gonna, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so the media has to be fair with Biden. They have to be fair with the Democrats. And 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 that's one way of winning trust back. Um, it's a step, at least. And just have about a, a minute here, but I did want to ask you, you know, you talked about the importance of covering the Biden administration rigorously, but also uh, making sure that there are people who are out there covering kind of what you've called coordinated disinformation campaigns or misinformation campaigns. I mean, do you see things that are sort of in the works now that are going to make uh, that are going to make life complicated for the media or for the American public uh, going ahead, even if Trump is out of the White House. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure of the exact quote, but Steve Bannon said something along the lines of trying to like uh, exhaust the media. I can't remember where this was or what the context was. Um, but one thing these disinformation campaigns do is it, it, it steals resources away from other other things, right? Uh, mm-hmm. We have to, we we are you know. We are bogged down fact-checking lies because, you know, I mean, so many of these things, you know, come from thin air or um, they are, um, uh, you know, they are, uh, if they're not straight disinformation, they are, uh, you know, opposition research uh, kind of you know, put together in a, you know, in a social media operation. I'm thinking of the Hunter Biden campaign, um, which, you know, closed out Trump's campaign, where a lot of pro-Trump figures on social media really pushed all these um, strange uh, stories about Hunter Biden at once, right? We are, we are taking resources away from the things that we need to report on that actually improve people's lives. 
and tying them up, uh, reporting on, on, on what's true and what they're trying to do and what they're trying to accomplish with this. We're giving them a lot of attention. Um, it's my job uh, to pay attention to far-right actors, but it's, uh, it's unfortunate when, um, you know, major journalists, uh, journalism institutions are forced to do the same job as well because they're just sucking up all the oxygen. Uh, I really think it's important that we get back to reporting on these things that are perhaps less, uh, you know, uh, less sexy, um, you know, these type of uh, meat and potatoes reporting about, um, you know, housing, about the environment, these type of things, and get back to that uh, more uh, because, um, you know, otherwise we're going to be in a lot of trouble. We're going to, again, help promote uh, the far right and their things, even if they're promoting lies by taking time and we're giving them attention, you know, and one of the things I think it's useful to mm-hmm. have people who are there to be able to debunk these lies and, and to be able to filter through the disinformation and know what's there. Um, but we can't, um, we have to use it sparingly and um, do it when it reaches the level of national news. And Michael Edison Hayden, where can people find out more about you and your work for the Southern Poverty Law Center? Sure. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Michael E. Hayden, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-E-H-A-Y-D-E-N uh, on Twitter. And uh, we are splcenter.org, uh, I think, backslash Hagewatch for, for our stories. Um, Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Michael, for joining us today here on Driving Forces on WBAI and for helping me with the Neiman piece. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Always a pleasure to talk to you, Celeste. Take care. Thanks. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston. You're listening to Driving Forces here on WBAI.org. My co-host, Jeff Simmons, will be back with us soon. Today, we're talking about trust in the media and the challenges that we'll face in the news going ahead. So that conversation that we just had with Michael Edison Hayden from Southern Poverty Law Center, that's the kind of informed, interesting discussion we love to offer you here at WBAI. Just again, a quick reminder, we need your help to stay on the air. If you go to WBAI.org and click Ways to Donate, It'll be right at the top right of your screen. You can make a one-time donation or you can become a BAI buddy and make a recurring donation to a favorite show, hopefully like Driving Forces. But please consider showing your support for commercial-free news, music, and public affairs programming, WBAI.org. So moving right along, our next guest today here on Driving Forces is Carrie Pickett. We're talking about trust in the media today. So Carrie is a senior campaign reporter for the Washington Examiner and a fill-in radio host at SiriusXM Patriot Channel 125. She's worked at outlets including the Daily Caller, the Washington Times, where she started reporting on Capitol Hill. She's produced news for the Howard Stern Show on SiriusXM, written entertainment news for MTV Radio, and worked as a production assistant on MTV.com. Uh, you may have seen her on the McLaughlin Group or other cable news and syndicated radio shows. So, Carrie, well, great to welcome you back to Driving Forces. Great to be back. Thanks for having me, Celeste. Thank you. So I'm going to jump right in here. We're talking about trust in the media. And of course, I, I saw something that you put on Twitter, which caught my eye. Um, so the other day, the associate managing editor of the New York Times tweeted, quote, core to the New York Times mission, we will scrutinize the incoming administration just as thoroughly as we did the outgoing one. And your response to that was, quote, ha, 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 ha. So what made you respond in that way? That's my first question to you. Well, as someone who 
has sat in on uh, press briefings over at the White House during the Obama administration and saw and experienced uh, just how the uh, press uh, treated uh, not just the uh, former president and uh, also his press secretaries and then saw the uh, same White House press corps uh, with uh, you know different uh, Reporters sprinkled here and there because there are a number of new reporters later on during the Trump administration, uh, and then saw obviously the uh, comparison later on. Uh, I kind of got a big kick out of the fact that the New York Times said, "Oh, we're going to scrutinize this administration completely," and then here we are going into the uh, incoming Biden administration. Also saw how the reporters there uh, really didn't ask Biden. Uh, at least on the campaign trail, uh, a lot of tough scrutinizing questions. And then now even uh, what we've seen so far, we haven't really seen a lot of tough questions, everything from uh, ice cream, an ice cream question to how his foot is doing. Uh, I'm still sort of waiting for those tough questions because most of the questions have been pretty much revolving around what he thinks about Trump. And so at this point, let's see uh, how how tough they're really going to be. So, you know, in your job, you talk to a lot of people in conservative politics and Republican politics inside Washington and certainly beyond uh, in your travels around the country covering campaigns. You and I have covered campaigns together. Um, you know, I guess you'd be like a perfect person to ask, you know, what makes um, people in conservative circles distrustful of, uh, you know, major outlets in the mainstream media? You know, if you watch, I don't know, I'll just a uh, random network television station or a major newspaper. People, you know, used to look to these as trusted sources, even if they had more, say, conservative political leanings. And now they're they're calling it fake news. Is that a just echoing of the president? Or what is it that makes people think that these uh, that these outlets are just not believable? Well, I think that, you know, what, Celeste, uh, what really brought this about is the fact that there there are so many more news outlets now, mm-hmm. as well as the Internet, that there's more of a side-by-side that people can sort of comparison look as opposed to in the past where things just sort of disappear and then you, you didn't really get to sort of do the whole rewind you know, and then go, wait, hold on a second. What do you say there? And what do you say over there? And, you know, let's do a whole flashback now with – different media and whatnot, you go, wait, hold on a second. How did they treat Reagan back in the past as far as media is concerned? And how did they uh, treat George W. Bush as opposed to Clinton? Now people can sort of comparison shop around the Internet and go, wow, compared to how the press treated Clinton, compared to how the press, how the press treated uh, George W. Bush, compared to how the press treated Reagan, what? There, there actually was a difference. But back in those days when there were no such things as you – know, TiVo or or the internet or YouTube, it, you know, things would just sort of move on and people would like, I think they're treating them differently, but I'm not too sure. Now, people can actually see it for themselves. And that's where I think there is a difference. Uh, you know, r- reporters on Capitol Hill who, who are right of center, who are conservative, you know, we've always known it and, and we point to it, but people will be like, yeah, 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 sure, whatever. But now people can actually see it for themselves just because technology has moved on, mass media has moved on. 
We're talking to Carrie Pickett of the Washington Examiner. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston. You are listening to Driving Forces here on WBAI New York 99.5 FM, and we're streaming live everywhere at WBAI.org. So, Pickett, you know, I really did want to have you on this specific program because, you know, one of the things that I think about a lot is, um, you know, sort of people siloing themselves in different, you know, sort of news consumption models and news practices. And my father famously told me, and I quote him all the time on this, you know, he said, people read newspapers to confirm what they already think. And I think in the United States, we've gotten very comfortable and sort of entrenched in watching or consuming or listening to news that sort of fits in with our worldview. And I think it's a real problem when people don't, uh, you know, don't try to get out of their bubble a little bit. Um, and, you know, you've been all over the country, as again, I've been with you all over the country covering campaigns and uh, for president and different offices. And, you know, somebody working for a conservative outlet, you know, uh, this one or ones in the past, you know, I'm sure you've had to walk up to people who say, oh, you're from some conservative outlet. I don't trust you. And that's not based on who you are. They don't know you or the work you do. But, you know, they have a mindset that somebody who works for, you know, newspaper A or radio station B is going to approach things in a certain way. And I'm just curious, you know, if you could talk a little bit about how do you get people to sort of get past that and to to trust you and to listen to you? Because that's a I think that's really sort of the overall challenge for reporters and consumers of, of media today. You know, Celeste, it depends on the person that you're talking to. In my case, because I cover Congress, it obviously depends on the lawmaker. So, for example, uh, if you have um, a lawmaker who uh, who doesn't really like to um, talk to conservative outlets, uh, they'll they'll ask me who I work for, and then they'll and they'll just blow me off, and they'll just you know, and they'll just walk away. That doesn't happen a whole lot, but it happens from time to time. Um, then sometimes you have, and this is kind of twisted, but sometimes you have some lawmakers who are, you know, staunchly liberal. They, they, they love their very liberal beliefs, but they love to debate. They love to be pressed. And, and sometimes they just love to talk to me because it's almost like, yeah, you know, I'm going to get into it with you and I'm going to make sure that like, that like, you know what I what I think, and I'm going to beat you, you know, in, mm. in, in, into like thinking what I think as best I can. And they're, and they're actually really fun to talk to, actually. It, it, it's actually quite enjoyable. And I get some great quotes from them. Um, and then there's just some lawmakers um, who, who are just pretty indifferent and just want to get their information out. And they don't care which outlet you work for, whether they're, you know, whether it's lawmakers, liberal or conservative or whatever the case may be is, they just want to get their message out, and it's just, you know, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Those are the ones who are, who are just putting out their message, and it's like, thank you very much, goodbye. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, going ahead, I mean, because look, if, if you, uh, you know, if you work for a, a progressive radio station or a conservative newspaper, like, yeah, sure, you have your base. Like in politics, if you're running for office, you have your base, but you can't only win typically just by appealing to your base. So, you know, how do you go about, um, 
how do you go about sort of broadening your reach in terms of, um, you know, if you're, if you're a, a more mainstream or a more, um, you know, uh, progressive outlet, say, how do you appeal to more conservative people? Because it, it, the answer can't be just being nicer to conservatives or saying nice things about President Trump or uh, nice things about Mike Pence or something like, how do you go about sort of, um, convincing people that that you are worth checking out that you're conveying information that is useful to them uh it takes time because mm-hmm. uh, as you know celeste as, as a fellow reporter uh anytime we write news clips or you know news stories about anybody uh, especially uh lawmakers uh, all of a sudden they're a comms person gets like a little uh, Google alert, like ding, you know, pops up, and <laughs> and they find out that that even if we ask them tough questions, more often than not, the story actually didn't turn out to be as bad as probably the the questions may have may have alluded may have led them to think. You know, mm-hmm. it's like yeah, we pressed you, you know, I pressed you to answer some tough questions, but, oh, my goodness, the story didn't turn out to be, like, you know, something to turn you into a monster, you know? And so, ultimately, when the when the uh, lawmaker finds that out, then they begin to have that trust in, in you, and it it's just a matter of time when they realize that, okay, this person's okay to talk to, and that happens. That's interesting. Uh, you know, and I totally agree. I mean, I've, I've had that experience myself where just having covered Trump rallies around the country during the campaign, whatever it may be, you know, just walking up to somebody at first, there's a, a rejection. They don't want to talk to you or people shouting mm-hmm. at you from outside the press pen or calling you fake news. But I've found very often um, when you walk up to people and have an individual personal conversation with them, you know, people were quite forthcoming. Um, you know, I've talked to people, told me about their families and about their work, um, you know, showed me pictures, let me photograph them. And they were, you know, quite, uh, you know, quite welcoming, quite cooperative and and interested in having a real conversation, but it was, it was something that did take a little time. People do need a little time to sort of, uh, you know, let their guard down and, and be more forthcoming about that. Um, and we are speaking to Carrie Pickett of the Washington Examiner uh, here on WBAI, Driving Forces. So uh, in the minute we have left, Pickett, just wanted to ask you, you know, how do you think that conservative media is going to adapt when President Trump is no longer President Trump. You know, or is there going to be a vacuum there? Is there going to be, um, you know, a decrease in interest? What, what's your sort of like one minute forecast on, on what happens you, there? No, of course not. There's, I, I you know, conservative media is more than likely going to uh, move forward and going to be uh, certainly looking into what is going on in the in the Biden administration and. Uh, Finding out uh, comparisons uh, to the to the Obama administration. Obviously, we're already seeing it, especially since he is hiring up a lot of uh, former Obama administration uh, staffers, which which I find interesting in and of itself. And also, uh, what's happening over here on Capitol Hill? Uh, this is, this is a, a big fight already, especially right now in the lame duck Congress. So there is so much to cover. So I seriously doubt that there's going to be any type of vacuum happening anytime soon. And Carrie Pickett, where can people find out more about you and your work? 
Uh, just come to WashingtonExaminer.com. You can find all my work there as long as, long as my colleagues. Perfect. Carrie Pickett of the Washington Examiner, thank you for joining us today here on Driving Forces on WBAI. All right. Take care, Celeste. And you are listening to WBAI 99.5 FM New York and streaming live at WBAI.org. We've had some great guests here today. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston, usually co-hosting with Jeff Simmons back in the game here with him. But uh, he will be back with us soon. And uh, we're going to be taking your calls pretty soon. So if you got the number, uh, give us a call. Let us know what you think about trust in the media. Do you trust the media? Do you think that the media is uh, going to be more trusted going ahead after the sort of uh, four or five pretty turbulent years during what we'll call the Trump era. Numbers 212-209-2877, 212-209-2877. And uh, just want to remind you that this is an important time to continue supporting WBAI. Um, you can become a BAI buddy in the name of uh, Driving Forces or one of your other favorite programs. So we're going to give you a moment to call in. We're going to hear a little message, uh, a little bit more about that, why it's important to support WBAI. But our call in number 212-209-2877. We live in complicated times. Sometimes it seems like important voices get left out. And sometimes it's hard to know who to trust. But one thing's for sure. For more than 60 years, WBAI has been your go-to for independent, non-commercial, free speech programming. Join the WBAI family as a BAI buddy in the name of your favorite show today and support radio you can trust. It's easy. Just go to WBAI.org or call 516-620-3602. That's 516-620-3602. When you become a WBAI buddy, you show your support for great programs on politics, news, the arts, music, and culture. You show your support for real free speech radio. Go to WBAI.org or call 516-620-3602 now. Don't wait. You know these times are too important. Please give as generously as you can. It's simple to make a recurring monthly donation, and it only takes a minute. Just go to WBAI.org and click Ways to Donate. Unlike living in New York, it is that easy. WBAI has spoken up for New Yorkers for more than 60 years. Now, it's time to speak up for WBAI. Go to WBAI.org to support radio you can trust. Give to WBAI today. Be heard. And we're back. You're listening to Driving Forces here on WBAI New York. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston, your co-host usually with Jeff Simmons. He'll be back with us soon. Give us a call, 212-209-2877, 212-209-2877. Do you trust the media? Why or why not? And I hear we have some callers on the line. Our wonderful engineer, Reggie, has everything queued up. So we'll take our first caller, WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name and where are you from? Hey, my name is Africa from North New Jersey. Um, Welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Um, Yeah, I don't trust the media because they lie. We know they don't work for the people. They work for corporations. They're here to coerce us into believing what whatever talking point they want to push, whether it be Fox, MSNBC, CNN, ABC. We understand that they don't work for us and there's no free press. So we don't believe nothing they say. So we don't trust them about Corona. We don't trust them about the polls. You know, it took probably like 
three, four weeks to find out if Bernie won California. We saw them cheat Bernie out of the primaries and give us Biden. Like, I wasn't crazy. We're not crazy as human beings that's watching the media outlets and watching um, people that they pay, um, what you call it, journalists that they claim that don't do no investigating. They just take the word of whoever's in power, the politician, and they just spew out rhetoric. So we don't trust them. They have, we have no reason to trust them. That's why I don't believe nothing they say about Corona. Nothing they say I believe. And I wouldn't stand online and take it with my family. So what would make you trust the media more? Is there any media that you trust that, uh, that you believe when they give you information? You know, it's hard to find all of them. They're all controlled by corporations. So it's hard to even pinpoint one. When you start listening to one, you start hearing the same talking points coming from it. So it's like there is no trust in the media. What will make me trust them? They got to get out of the business of making money. You know, our media shouldn't be in the business of only making money so they're there to get paid to sway us to coerce us into believing in things that are harmful for us. We could go all the way, we could go back to the Iraq war. That's when I started, like, paying attention to politics and to the media. And they lie, lie, all of them. Like, you put on the TV tonight, Fox's line, CNN line, MSNBC line, they all have their talking points, people that pay them. They don't work for us, just like politicians don't work for us. And if we don't start to address that, we, nothing is going to change. I don't believe nothing they're saying. The same hospitals that's telling me to go take the coronavirus, I, I know women in the last few years that went in it to have babies and died. In 2020, our women can't even have babies without dying because all these institutions are racist, and they're all coercing us to believe lies. So we don't believe them. And we, we like journalists. We like, I like to turn on the radio and listen to a journalist that don't lie to me. I miss you, Hamilton. Hugh Hamilton used to be on WBAI. I don't. It's like it's hard for me to listen to democracy now, right now, because it's it's like it's all it's all talking points. There's no well, investigation. There's not, nobody's being held accountable. I'm sorry. I don't want to take up too much time. I no, that's to okay. I do. I I appreciate your call, and I I hear loud and clear what you're saying. Thank you for calling. And you know, I just want to let people know that this is a non-commercial radio. We rely on listener donations. Uh, we are uh, not out there taking uh, big, expensive ads and uh, and uh, that kind of thing. So uh, WBAI, I think, is really unique in that uh, we are very much uh, for the people who listen to us, and we are supported by you, our listeners. But uh, thank you, caller. And let's take another call. 212-209-2877 is the number. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name and where you're from? I'm on, the, I'm on the phone right now. Yep, you are. You're also on the radio. Uh, hold on a second, sir. Hang on. Uh, yes, I'm sorry. Um, I had a tour there. Sorry about that. Uh, that's that's okay. right before you hit it, hit it. My name is George. Uh, I'm calling from you know, New Jersey. That guy you hit it on the head just there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, but the other thing he forgot to miss, he missed is that our CIA has gone all over the world, overthrown every government. They've installed Mockingbird here. Obama legalized propaganda to the American people when he signed the bill back in whatever it was. So, you know, who knows who's working for the Mockingbird News, but we know that a lot of almost all of them are. Now, there is a few out there that aren't. But if you've got a three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars job to talk for a couple of hours on the radio and you think you're winning, and they say say this, what are you going to do? Say no and get fired and be you know outcast and not be one of the winners, supposed winners. But there is going to be no winners in this, besides the billionaires and a few people that hide under tunnels and you know after they kill everybody else off with this 
COVID or whatever, the vaccine's coming. So they're big calling, and everybody said it already. You know, Gates and everything has been telling us all this stuff was coming. Fauci told us this was coming. Obama told us this was coming. Everybody's telling us this is coming. So that you can believe. You can believe this is a, a, a man-made, planned-out thing. But the thing you can't believe is anything to tell you about it. Put on a mask. Stay away from everybody. You know, stay home. Stay this, that, and the other thing. It's an economic attack. It's a total lie. Then they're going to physically attack us with shots, mandatory shots. So people better wake up. You know about Mockingbird, right? CIA Operation Mockingbird. In the United yeah, States. I think I think we're we're gonna we're gonna get back to uh, a, you know you make some interesting points. Thanks, George, for your call. Really appreciate it. And I think that George makes an interesting point there about you know there's still apparently a lot of disagreement out there. Uh, there is an anti-vaccine movement. That's not something that uh that I am promoting here on this program. But there definitely is a real issue in this country about what do people believe about the science uh, and the health information they are receiving about the coronavirus. Now, look, and this is something that I've spoken about recently, actually, on a, another program um, that I appear on regularly on the radio. Uh, this country does have, um, you know, a, a checkered past when it comes to public health. There is a serious question about uh, maternal mortality rates among people of color, for example, women of color. Um, you know, this is a country that has, a, you know, a, a bleak past uh, when it comes to things like uh, the Tuskegee experiments and so on. So, I mean, there, it's not the question is not that there isn't reason for people to be disturbed, but when you have a fundamental disagreement on um, how important or efficient it is to uh, be vaccinated against a deadly disease, to wear a mask, to try to prevent or to limit the transmission of coronavirus, the media is going to play a big part in trying to inform people. But there are some people out there that just do not believe the media. And I think that becomes a matter of life and death. Uh, we're talking about trust in the media today here on WBAI's Driving Forces. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston. Our number is 212-209-2877, 212-209-2877. Who do you believe in the media? Where do you get the information that you rely on every day to live a safe and healthy and meaningful life? Uh, WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name and where are you from? Hi, um my name is Chris, and I'm from Uptown Manhattan. Hi, Chris. And um, it's so nice to hear your voice, Celeste. I love you. I've been hearing you on the radio for years, back on <laughs> WNYC, on uh, Washington, D.C. stations. So it's really nice to hear you. And um, you. in response to the question, I trust um, magazines such as The Nation and The Progressive and um, – Jim Hightower's newsletter, The Lowdown, and I trust uh, most of the programs on WBAI. Um, too bad that there there are some um, marketing programs now that are just sort of uh, kind of lunatic fringe. But anyway, that's a side issue. And then there are some and, and there are some NPR programs that I trust, like on the media. But overall, listening to NPR. NPR just becomes too much of a centrist corporate uh, media, just like the major media, which just seems like a wing of corporate America. So, well, that's um, interesting. Yeah. No, I'm, and I'm, I'm glad you called in. I, I appreciate the, uh, the kind remarks. Um, and, um, you know, do you think that, um, people will come to trust in the media, the people who are, are angry with the media and, you know, sort of describe it as fake news? Like, do you feel like 
people are going to become sort of, you know, less inclined to do that? Or do you see that even under a, a new Biden administration with President Trump sort of not as the, you know, the commander in chief or the leader of our country, do you think people will sort of you know, chill out a little bit or do you think it's going to get worse? I don't think it's going to get worse because luckily the election went the right way away from Trump. I think uh, people will calm down after um, uh, the unspeakable gets swept away. I think it'll 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 fizzle out, knock on wood, and mm-hmm. people will start looking around. I mean, I'm a longtime um, college professor. Mm-hmm. Young, I have faith in young people. Young people are smart and energetic, and they they are not all of them, but many of them are able to uh, pick and choose, and they, they, they are able to suss out what's going on. Perfect. Thank you so much for your call and for your kind words. Really appreciate it. Uh, we are going to get to you a couple more calls here before we wrap up. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name and where are you from? WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name and where you're from? Okay, that caller oh, must have hung up. We're going to go to the next Hello? one. Okay, great. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name and where you're from? Stephanie from New York City. Hi, and Stephanie. I'm, call- I'm calling because I find it completely egregious that people are calling what is going on currently science. And therefore, the media is so corrupt with regards to the science because there is a multitude of science coming out, randomized, controlled science, showing cloth masks do not work. These are huge bodies of work that are coming out that the vaccines are rushed to market with zero liability. Zero liability. If you are injured, you cannot sue. Tort liability. Why is this not spoken about? And I find the media just so corrupt that as a 30-year Democrat, I had to walk away this year from the platform. Cuomo has destroyed New York City, destroyed our elders. We have watched de Blasio destroy New York City. I, I can't believe one word coming out of their mouth. Chris Cuomo walking around doing whatever he wants. Whenever the cameras are off. I mean, how can people trust what is being told to them when most of the science is wrapped in fraud, lies, and bought, just like the politicians? So, so Stephanie, what would what would make you trust more in the media? What what kind of reporting or what, what uh, information would make you would make you more confident? Would, okay, well, what would make me trust the science? is when the makers are held liable for product harm. Where if there is no liability on a product and I cannot sue for product harm, then I should never be forced to take something. Where there is risk, there must be choice. And to call someone fringe or conspiracy theory regarding a belief that a maker needs to be held liable like they were before 1986, then I find that just a slur at this point in time. 
Okay. Thank you, Stephanie, for your call. I think that's, uh, you know, some interesting points there. I don't think that we have a mandatory, uh, uh, coronavirus vaccine program in the works right now, but, uh, I think there is a legitimate question about, um, you know, drugs, uh, drug manufacturers being transparent about the effects of their medications. Um, and, you know, the liability question, that could definitely be a whole nother show. So I think we have one more caller on the line. I'm trying to get in real quick. We just have a couple of minutes before we wrap up. We're going to have to keep it brief. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name and where are you from? Hi, my name is Aza. I'm calling from Brooklyn. Hi, Aza. Yeah, basically the only people that I trust on WBAI is Gary Null and Bonnie Faulkner, Guns and Butter. They're the only show speaking the truth about this complete falsehood that is being put on the human race right now. And I only watch uh, uh, social media for people that tell the truth. I'm extremely disappointed in most of the shows in WBAI because the truth is that this is not a lethal virus. This is not a pandemic. 94% of the people, even says on the CDC website, are dying of comorbidities. And the, the test that they're using is not an accurate test. The creator of the test even says that. And they're basing all of these numbers and tricking everybody. And I am very disappointed in so many media outlets, even WBAI. And it's really time for people to wake up before the whole human race gets destroyed. Okay, thanks, Aza, for your call. Do you appreciate that? Uh, you know, certainly there's room out there for different beliefs. People are certainly entitled to uh, question and should question the media. Uh, I'm going to say here, I don't think that there's uh, any question that there is, in fact, a pandemic. People do get sick from coronavirus. Uh, people do die as a result of coronavirus, whether that's a, a direct uh, response to the infection or whether it's a comorbidity, which, again, is a whole nother program. But we do appreciate uh, hearing from you and from all our listeners here. And uh, uh, I hope that uh, Driving Force is a program that you can enjoy. I'm really glad that people are calling in. Also like to thank today's guests, Michael Edison Hayden of the Southern Poverty Law Center, Carrie Pickett of the Washington Examiner. Special thanks as always to our engineer, Reggie, who keeps our shows going even in tough times. And I'd like to thank you for supporting Free Speech Radio here on WBAI. Remember, you can help out with a donation, keep free speech non-commercial radio alive here. Just go to WBAI.org and click Ways to Donate. So if you missed any part of today's program, you'll be able to download it and listen back in just a few minutes at WBAI.org. You can click on Archives and then on Driving Forces. And you can look for all of our segments on SoundCloud and you can check us out on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, my co-host Jeff Simmons will be back with us very soon. A pleasure to be back here as the co-host of Driving Forces. For WBAI New York, I'm Celeste Katz-Marston. Thanks for listening. complicated times. Sometimes it seems like important voices get left out, and sometimes it's hard to know who to trust. But one thing's for sure, for more than 60 years, WBAI has been your go-to for independent, non-commercial, free speech programming. Join the WBAI family as a BAI buddy in the name of your favorite show today and support radio you can trust. It's easy. Just go to WBAI.org 
or call 516-620-3602. That's 516-620-3602. When you become a WBAI buddy, you show your support for great programs on politics, news, the arts, music, and culture. You show your support for real free speech radio. Go to WBAI.org or call 516-620-3602 now. Don't wait. You know these times are too important. Please give as generously as you can. It's simple to make a recurring monthly donation, and it only takes a minute. Just go to WBAI.org and click Ways to Donate. Unlike living in New York, it is that easy. WBAI has spoken up for New Yorkers for more than 60 years. Now, it's time to speak up for WBAI. Go to WBAI.org to support radio you can trust. Give to WBAI today. Be heard. During this season, what's supposed to be a holiday season, we thank you for being a contributor to WBAI. We hope you are still working, and if you are, we want you to know that many companies have matching gift programs for which even your premium gift donation can qualify. That means if you've donated $150 for a premium, much of this amount can be matched by your employer's matching gift program. Premium gift donations made way back in January of 2020 through the end of this year ending on December 31st, 2020 can be eligible for matches this year. This is money we didn't even know about here at WBAI. A listener brought this to our attention. The additional funds from the match would greatly help this listener-sponsored station receive the necessary funds to continue operating. For this matching gift program to work, WBAI needs to be in your employer's matching gift database. First, check your employer's matching gift database to see if WBAI is in it. If WBAI is not listed, please send an email to matchingfund at WBAI.org and we will make it easy for you to nominate WBAI. If WBAI is listed, please send your employer's match form for your premium gift donation directly to matchingfund at WBAI. And please check our website under Donate for details. A WBAI listener summed up the match this way. She says, what's so beautiful about employer matching gifts for premium gift donations is that it's workers' money that's already there. We just need to get it to WBAI. This is the professor, Dr. Ron Daniels. The Institute of the Black World 21st Century's Black Family Summit proudly announces the Community Cares Listening Line for Black first responders and essential workers. We're here and we're listening. The Community Cares Listening Line is a free, confidential service staffed with responsive volunteers who can provide emotional support and share information with our callers. If you're feeling anxious, afraid, distressed, burdened, or overwhelmed by a range of emotions, please call the Community Cares Listening Line at 877-719-1117. That's 877-719-1117. I What does the old-time musician Ola Bell Reed have to do with modern music? Reed was a groundbreaking bluegrass mother. Her musical offspring have struck out far and wide. And the lost leaders in the nine seas will be with us to bring it all together. Full of hate, full 
1970s Fairport Convention to his new works today, Richard Thompson has helped shape the face of folk music. I want to see the Richard Thompson, Zara Phillips, and more. I'm David Mansfield. I'm Steve Rath. Join us for new live performances in the Fallout Shelter. Take me to 